Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness. I'm really quiet, so hold on. Your true crime, cult, <laughs> conspiracy, and cryptid podcast. There we go. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. Um, and we're both sick. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, I just got a cold. I'm assuming that's what mine is too. I took yeah. a test, so I'm fine. But my body's shutting down. <laughs> it's fine. You had a busy weekend last weekend, and then, you know, your body's still recovering, I'm sure. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about anything? Oh, the Idaho at all? Or no, not much else has really come out. I don't no. think so. No. I know. I think they scheduled the pretrial for like June or something. Yeah, because of all the evidence his lawyer yeah. has to go through. So we're gonna have to wait a while That's to. Which is fine. Yeah. Get, uh, ins, or, I don't know what I'm saying right now. But, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say this time, I don't think. Cool. <laughs> I know you struggled with picking a story. Did you I did. find one that you liked enough to... Well, because I only struggled because me and you both, I think, felt like after... Because we both did serial killers. And mine wasn't like... I mean, mine was obviously sad and terrible yeah um but it but, wasn't john wayne but Casey. it wasn't john wayne right Casey. so i think both of us after last time we were like well we both want to do something a little lighter, lighter yeah um and it's kind of hard to find that sometimes yes so i did end up finding something to do okay um i'm glad otherwise it's be really awkward yeah <laughs> otherwise we just talk about life for an hour but well they're half minutes, hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i decided that i'm gonna do um like a, multiple stories okay. in one state again but i'm gonna do unsolved mysteries oh i was literally listening to that as i worked on my um uh, stuff yeah so Let's just roll into it. Let's just start reading so that you you can uh, I get through this because yeah. you look very confused right well, now. Well, I just have no noggin. Okay, nothing left up there. But they're not murders. They're like so. One's like a, I guess you could say like a, maybe a cryptid or a okay. haunting. Maybe Dope. love that. Two of them are just like weird things that happen. So maybe okay. I don't know. I'll let you classify them when I get into it. All right, so. I'm here for it. Okay. Um, also, did you see my friend Haley? I did. <laughs> I've known for a while. I kind of had a feeling you might. Yeah, so. Congratulations, Haley. Yeah, I know you listen to this, so I'm very excited. Yay. She's going to be a mom. And you're going to be a fronty. Yep. That's what I call them. Friend aunties. Um, f- the best. Or fun aunties. Being friend fronties is the best. Yeah. So all the presents, none of the punishments. Pretty excited. <laughs> she, yeah, she told me probably about a month ago or so. No, two, maybe a little more than that now. Wow. But yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Congratulations, you guys. Okay. Anyway, here we go. So uh, the first story or mystery we're going to talk about is the hardened monster. So, back in 1885, two boys were fishing on the Illinois River just in front of a a little island called Diamond Island just after midnight. 
the boys were just enjoying a pretty peaceful evening um when all of a sudden they saw a glowing object floating through the trees on the island oh um they said that it seemed that the object noticed them and suddenly picked up speed and shot through the trees and then took a sharp turn up into the sky it then hovered in the air over the island um now the boys were obviously pretty scared um i cannot imagine why we're obviously scared (laughs) shitless And ran home to tell their parents about what they had seen. Um, They both insisted that they even saw a human face within the flames. Because they kind of like uh, describe it as like a ball of fire, a fiery ball kind of thing. It was Madame Leota. Yeah. Disney deep cut. (laughs) Um, Now, obviously, their parents and the townspeople were pretty skeptical of the boys' stories. Um, that is until more stories of this flying flame ball. <laughs> I just like flying flame balls, kind of fun to say. <laughs> Started coming from other respected members of the community. For example, a locus, a locus, a local <laughs> businessman reported seeing a fireball in the sky. Above that would be a Diamond. very different story. Yeah, Diamond <laughs> Island. He said it was it was about the size of a barrel and had quote definite features in it. Um, the fireball showed up pretty frequently on the island, always right around midnight, either hovering in the sky, on the edge of the island, or floating in between the trees. You know, those boys were like, we fucking told, told you. you. We told you, shit. you, and you didn't believe us. Now what's up? Yeah. Um, okay. Now, at some point, a group of men decided that they wanted to go and get to the bottom of the strange phenomenon, and they wanted to prove that it was a hoax. So... What they decided to do was they decided not to tell anyone they were going to go out there. Okay. Just, like, keep it with themselves. Um, they decided to take their clubs, revolvers, and knives with them just in case. Um, <laughs> and they got into a boat and, you know. Personally, I think I would bring a fire extinguisher. That's just me. <laughs> Good point. Um, so their thought process was, okay, if we don't tell anyone we're going over there, we can... Either prove it's not real or catch whoever's doing it in the act. Right. Um, so when they get over to the island, they get off their boats and they kind of start to search around. And it didn't take long for the island and sky to suddenly be cast in a blood red light as a red glowing figure rose out of the water and floated up to a height of about 120 feet. The men, Again, obviously terrified, tried running back to their boat, but when they got where they left the boat, they noticed that their boat had started floating away. Great. And when they looked closely, they saw a red ball of light sitting comfortably within the boat. (laughs) But what... It was like, thanks for the ride, homies. But as they watched, the ball of light morphed into that of a man... The man had a slouchy hat on that covered his face, and he was busy steadily rowing the boat. Despite it being pitch dark, there was a light around and above the boat, which allowed the men to see clearly what was happening. As soon as the boat was far enough away from the island so the men couldn't easily reach it, the man in the boat floated back up into the sky in a crimson light and morphed back into his barrel-like shape. What an asshole move! The light floated back over to the island, hovered above the tree line, and then vanished. Um, there are a few more stories exactly like that one where, like, um, the figure would morph into a 
Or the ball would morph into like a man. Okay. And then back into a ball. I thought you meant more people got their boats stolen. And I was like, moral of the story here, friends. Don't. Leave a couple people with the boat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these stories kind of hung around for a good three years until one day the fiery crimson barrel of light vanished for good and hasn't been seen since. Huh. So I, I don't know if you would consider that cryptid or a conspiracy maybe hmm. maybe maybe just paranormal in general because kind like of, you yeah. can't describe what it is right i wouldn't say it's haunting but i would say just paranormal kind of okay. covers that good with me um the next unsolved mystery i'm going to talk about is the max headroom broadcast hijack oh my gosh this is on my list oh it's okay. It? Yeah. Well, I it's really no. It's, it's really not, short. Yeah. There's not a lot of yeah, information. Yeah. That's why I've never it. done it. I um, should just mark that off really quick. Now this story is a little wild. So obviously you've heard yes, it, it's, but it's wild. On November twenty second, nineteen eighty seven, Chicago sportscast, a, a Chicago, my God, a Chicago, Chicago sportscaster <laughs> was going over the highlights from that day's Bears victory over the Detroit Lions. Um, his name was like I think it was Dan. I have it in here somewhere. Yeah, I can't help you with that. I um, haven't gotten that far into it. Suddenly at nine fourteen PM the television screens of all viewers went black for about fifteen seconds and then a new person appeared. This person was wearing a rubber mask and sunglasses and looked at the artificial intelligence T V character Max Headroom. Now have you seen a picture? I have. It's very weird. It's creepy as hell. Um now, Max Headroom was a character played by an actor named Matt Fewer, and he was supposed to be, like, the first artificial intelligence newscaster. Okay. And, like, his whole, he would, like, say things that were kind of, like, he, out of the norm, I guess. His whole, com- it was like a comedy bit where he could say things that a real newscaster maybe couldn't. Okay. So, so like, if someone did something stupid, they could be, like... Um, and he's an idiot. This dummy did yeah. this thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, there was hardly any sound coming from this weird scene on people's TV screens. Uh, the person in the rubber mask pretty much just bopped around in front of the t- TV. Or in front of the camera, I should say. Um, and there was like a buzzing noise playing. Uh, this only lasted about 30 seconds before signal engineers at WGN were able to switch the frequency of the studio link to another transmitter and bring sportscaster, yeah, Dan Roan was his name, back onto the screen. Um, Dan was clearly as confused as other viewers, but continued with his broadcast as normal. Good for him. Yeah. (laughs) People in the studio immediately thought that this was an inside job, um, like meaning that the person would had to be in the building to right. be able to hijack the... Which, when was this again? The 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, so they immediately searched the whole building, searching for whoever could have done it. Um, but the search was unsuccessful, and they quickly learned that this was a actually a pre-recorded video from a third party at a secondary location. This had studio engineers baffled because they just assumed it, it was a one-and-done type thing, but it wasn't. Um, just two hours after the original hijack on Channel 9, the Max Headman... 
uh, impersonator was back this time on channel 11. At 11.15 p.m., the channel was airing a Doctor Who episode when suddenly the video cut out. Um, and then, you remember when you played a VHS tape and those, like, lines would kind of, like, Oh, yeah. yeah. So those came on. Um, and then the masked figure came back. Uh, the figure bopped in front of the background just like he had before. But unlike the 9.15 hijacking, this one had audio. Um, so, quote, that does it. He's a freaking nerd, end quote, was what the figure said in a distorted voice. That's hilarious. The vic- figure then laughed and mentioned a man named Chucky Swirsky, who was associated with WGN and claimed he was better than him. He then that Max, this Max impersonator was, was better, better than, than the Chucky. Okay. Got it. He then held up a can of Pepsi reciting the Coke slogan, um, which was catch the wave. The real Max Headroom, though, like... Actor guy. The character yeah, at yeah. the time was being used as a Coke spokesman. Oh. I love that he just used a Pepsi, Pepsi and just went with it. <laughs> um, We're a Coke family. Okay, so then things get weird. So Wait, things aren't weird already? Yeah. All right. So just, like, bear with me here while I just go through and describe this, okay? Okay. So the figure then flipped off the camera um, while his middle finger was covered by, like, a fake finger extension thing um so you know you've seen those like fake rubber fingers yeah not the foam fingers but like the rubbery yeah 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 yeah. he had one of those on he also sang lyrics from a song by the temptations called i know i'm losing you uh he hummed tunelessly and muttered phrases from television shows screamed nonsense and then began to moan he then paused to claim he had, quote, made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds, end quote. Um, referencing WGN's corporate parent, the Chicago Tribune. Uh, if he didn't, oh, if we didn't think this could get any weirder, it does. Um, he then held up a white glove. The article I read described it like the Michael Jackson okay. glove. Um it exclaimed, quote, my brother is wearing the other one. He then pulled it on and said, quote, but it's dirty. It's like you got bloodstains on it, end quote. And if you didn't think it could get weirder, you're wrong again. The camera then cut to a shot of a man's torso and partially exposed butt. <laughs> the headroom mask had been removed. And you remember that like rubber finger extension? Oh, God. Where is it? In its mouth. Okay. And it was That's just like as bad as I it was being be. held up in front of the camera. The man suddenly screamed, quote, they're coming to get me, end quote. And then a female voice responded, quote, bend over, bitch, end quote. And the man was spanked over and over with a fly swatter as he screamed. I just, I have no words. Um, the entire second incident only lasted one minute and 22 seconds. Wow, he got a lot done in a minute. He really did. He capitalized on his time. Um, they discovered at the time there were no engineers on duty to stop this transmission, so they were able to, um, like it was able to play. Like this whole video was able to play, so it must have okay. only been a minute and twenty-two seconds long. Um. Now, since there was no one on duty during the transmission, the only copies of the hack came from fans of Doctor Who, who had been taping the episode. 
Um, now, although most people found this Max Headroom man amusing or funny, the FCC did not. I can imagine. They tried very hard to find the mysterious figure, even going as far as to offer a reward for information. Um, and although we're, there were a few suspects for the hacking, there was never anyone caught. Do you think we'll ever know? No. I don't think so either. Uh, okay. Next. Unsolved mystery. Um, we're going to talk about the mad gasser of Matt. This is on my list, too. Really? Yes. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I never had heard of these before. Um, I heard of the mad gasser on Sinisterhood. She mentioned it. Mm. And I was like, what is that? No big deal. I'll just take it on my list. So back in September 1944 in the small town of Matt, is it Matt? Do you think Mattin or Mattoon? Mat- I, she said Mattoon. That's what I think it is too. Yeah, she said Mattoon, but Mattoon, she's from Illinois. Texas. So. Uh, many people in the town showed symptoms of exposure to poison gas. They were nauseous, vomiting, showed signs of weakness leading to near paralysis, lightheadedness, and even or uh, spitting up blood. So some of those symptoms were when what I felt like when I had COVID. Oh, really? Yeah, not the spitting up blood part, but like I physically could not get myself to move. It was the worst. Um, all of the victims reported smelling a sweet, cheap perfume odor in their homes prior to the onset of the sickness. The first report came on September 1st from a woman named Aline Kearney. She had just put her two children to bed while her husband was out on his taxi route. Since her husband was away, Aline's sister and her nephew stayed over. As Aline climbed into bed that night, she noticed what she described as a, quote, sickening sweet odor in the bedroom, end quote. Um, and, like, her mind went to, like, flowers. Like, maybe there's some flowers outside the window or something. Just, okay. You know, she didn't really think anything um, of it. Okay. But then the odor became overpowering, and Aline started to have paralysis of her legs and lower body. She yelled out to her sister, who rushed in and opened a window, clearing out whatever may have been causing the odor. So it was coming from, like, inside her house, yes. she thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the, they called the police, and they patr- they, the police patrolled that night, but didn't find anything unusual. But when Aline's husband returned that night, he did uh, report seeing a tall man lurking in the night wearing dark clothing. Spoiler alert, it was a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking the area. Um, when the newspapers got a hold of the story, obviously they reported it the next day, and more reports of gassings were filed. Uh, one family reported the same thing happening to them the night before Aline was attacked. Um, a man named Urban Rife had left his bedroom window open when around 3 a.m. a strange fume came through the window making him ill. Carol and Bula Cords had gone out for an evening um, and when they arrived home at around 10 p.m. Bula noticed a pink cloth stuck in their screen door. Um, he picked it up and smelled it and Why? I don't know. She reported it smelled like a very sweet odor, um, and immediately felt quote, like a charge of electricity had gone through her. Um, she reported a burning sensation in her throat and then reported, reportedly began to bleed from the mouth. Honestly though, like, what are you expecting? Why are you sniffing things? I don't know. That's so weird. 
I'm, probably... I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying, like, why are you sniffing things? Armed mobs started to take to the street to at night to try to catch the gasser, um, but no one was ever found. What makes this case interesting, though, is that is it has long been cited in college psychology classes as a perse- perfect example of mass hysteria. Oh, interesting. These attacks happened in the midst of World War II when many men were off fighting in the war and many women were left home alone. The gassings have been explained away as a product of paranoia, panic, and delirium, but others believe that someone was actually out there pumping poisonous gas into people's homes. People reported smelling smells coming through their windows at night and in some cases seeing a shadowy figure running into the darkness. When looking more into the case, we see that uh, police never really looked into the reported gassings. Uh, they believe that people reporting were mistaken and uh, calls to the police kind of began to drop. Um, they say this is either because people began to get embarrassed or it could it be because the police chief threatened to, quote, arrest anyone else who reported a gassing without submitting to a medical examination, end quote. Wow, what a dick. Right. Um, the police also tried to blame, um, put blame on the Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Co. plant, uh, which was not too far from town. They started stated that large quantities of carbon tetra- tetrachloride, um, which was being used for war work, was the cause. And they said when the wind shifted, that could bring that gas into town and cause people to become ill. But Atlas immediately hit back, saying none of their employees working at the plant had reported any of the symptoms that the town folk were experiencing. So they were kind of like, well, if that was true, then why wouldn't our employees who are working with this every day report the same? Which Which is a valid point. I mean, that's a valid point, but also like... Maybe they just haven't been exposed to it for so long that it doesn't affect them anymore. I'm gonna say no. Yeah, you don't. You don't think it was them? No, no. I don't. I really don't either. I feel like that's a convenient excuse. Yeah. So now the question still remains to this day, um, because no one ever was caught for the crimes. We don't know if the mad gasser of Matoon was actually real or if it was actually a case of mass hysteria in the town. What's your gut feeling? I'm gonna say the person was real. I. Uh, I'm 50-50. I don't, I don't know. Because, like, the arguments are good for both sides, you know? I didn't hear one good argument for mass hysteria. Um, it was World War Two, and people are anxious about everything about the Germans, and, you know, like, who knows? I, I don't know. I just, I think it could be either. I'm going with there is someone actually being a little shit. <laughs> but why? Like, what's the point? What's the point of anyone ever doing anything bad uh, and rude and mean and stupid? <laughs> what was the point of the guy co- hijacking the Chicago That's okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um Okay, so and finally we're going to end on a really short short quick one. Cool. Um in the late 1800s, a group of friends were enjoying a picnic near the town of Quincy, not too far from a place called the Burton Cave. Um, While picnicking, it began to rain, and the group ran for cover in a nearby cave. When they ran into the cave, they noticed something quite disturbing. Um, They saw a man dressed in a long black draping robe and a dead woman dressed all in white surrounded by candles. 
Now, I'm sure you can guess, but the group got the heck out of there as fast as they could and reported what they saw to police, but when the police went and searched the cave, they didn't find any trace of the robed man or the dead woman. Huh. Yeah. That's weird. And those are my four, four, one, two, three, four unsolved <laughs> mysteries in the state. Oh, I should have mentioned. These are all in the state of Illinois. I kind of figured. Yeah. And yeah. Here we go. All right. My lighter episode for the week. Yeah. I, I liked it. It was interesting. I, I felt really short, but like um, my time isn't that short, so time flies when you're talking about mysteries yeah apparently so our hold on sources oh, oh yeah sources sorry i'm gonna do socials um hop right into it paranormalworld.fandom.com all that's interesting.com for the max headroom incident illinoistimes.com all that's interesting.com again for the mad gaster of matt toon and only in your state.com and our socials are mwmadnesspodcast at gmail. That is also our Instagram and Midwest Madness group on our podcast group on Facebook. Cool. Well, hopefully um, when you hear, well, I was going to say when you hear from them, sticks will feel better, but you're going to hear Danielle's <laughs> episode next, which is literally going to be recorded right now. So, so I we take won't. that back. <laughs> we hope you guys have a good week. And we will talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.